Hello and welcome to Click Click Bang Bang, a photography podcast. I'm your host, Toby. And I'm Mez. And today we are getting into a pretty deep subject, baby. Who takes better photos? Who takes better photos? You could not get more broad than that question. But I like it. I like it too, so let's just jump right in. We've got the answers. Let's do it. So earlier this week, Toby, I sent you this really interesting article by Savannah Dodd and Andrew Jackson. You did. It's more interesting than the usual crap you sent me, but yes, thank you. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'll take kidding, that. No, kidding. no, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> and it's titled, Good, quote unquote, Good Photographs, The White Male Gaze and How We Privilege Ways of Seeing. Yeah. And now that second line caught my attention um, because it's not something I've ever really thought too deeply about in terms of, you know... Do, do men and women and you know all other genders take photos differently or not or are we are we being shown a different world as a result of you know the the gender of the photographer and all these different things that we see so i found it quite fascinating actually yeah and actually like us getting together and talking about it it's kind of we've gone down a bit of a rabbit <laughs> we've hole we've been going for hours before going we for hours record. because it's just kind of like snowballed into so many other broader discussions yeah. about like bias in the photography industry different ways of seeing um you know gender inequality in this industry and also a complete lack of diversity yeah that is present in the industry yeah let's not forget this is not unique of photography no this is something that a lot of industries are starting to recognize and thankfully address in 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 a very small way at, at the moment but at least you know we've had me too movements and all that sort of stuff that just kind of brought a lot of these things to the surface so i guess it was you know it's kind of an opportune time for us to talk about it in in the context of of photography yeah and this article is really interesting and we're going to link it in the show notes so people can have a read but basically the premise of the article is sort of insinuating the fact that a lot of what a lot of photojournalism that we see as consumers um, of media is shot by white cis male yep. dudes. Yeah, pretty much. There's yeah. some staggering numbers in this article. There is absolutely some staggering statistics, and here's just one of them. Roughly 85% of working photojournalists today are men. That's insane. Some other statistics from World Press are, okay, so over the last four years, they've collected this data. Mm -hmm. Of the 5,202 photographers from more than 100 countries over the last four years, more than half of the participating photographers are Caucasian slash white. 80% are men. Two-thirds are between the age of 30 and 49. So that's a pretty narrow <laughs> age bracket. That's Very. only 19 years, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and here's a fucking staggering one. <laughs> 1%, that's 52 people in total of the 5,202, yeah. uh, classify themselves as black. One percent. One percent. That's crazy because if you think about fuck, yeah, that's ridiculous. Because a lot of the countries where many of these photos would be taken would be black nations, such as Africa and various exactly. other places. So they are o- they are quote unquote overrepresented in the content. Yeah, completely underrepresented in the photographers who are capturing these images. Yeah. So you have a lot of situations there where you have white photographers. 
going into diverse nations taking africa as an example going into this continent and trying to photograph black stories from a very white perspective and you've got some interesting quotes here yeah so i mean i guess what what this boils down to is not just the fact that it's the photographers themselves that are being dominated by these demographics it's also the people at the top the photo editors the yes. you know the people that are selecting these small narrow group of people to send them away to take these these photographs and what this article sort of tells us is that there the two things i'm quoting directly here two things happen when photo editors privilege white male ways of seeing the first is the photographers who are willing and able to adapt to the dominant model of good photography adapt and the second is that this trickles down to the photographers who are creating those images and manifests as a pressure to all photographers regardless of their marginalization to conform to the accepted canons right so basically that boils down to you're feeling pressure to create what the media landscape wants. Exactly. And I think we all know, you know, in recent times, I think the news landscape has changed enormously over the past 10 to 15 years with the proliferation of social media and all sorts of other things and the fact that everybody has a camera in their phone and blah, 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 user-generated content, all this sort of stuff. This is stuff that we've, in a way, been lucky to uh, evolve with as, as, you know, members of of society in, you know, I've worked in in news and journalism for 20 years in Australia and and several years before that when I was in the UK and gone from, you know, having no social media, no mobile phone and a typewriter to having what we have today whereby, you know, many many things have changed and it's it's become easier easier for misinformation and all that sort of stuff to get out there. But that's obviously another topic, but I think what we're saying here is that, you know, we are being fed as a as a public um, a certain view of the world. Yeah, and maybe a very narrow view of the world. Yeah, I think it is a very narrow view of the world. And it's also a pretty depressing and sad and violent view of the world in, in many cases. Yeah, and, and, you know, we were talking about this a lot today. And, you know, we, we first we started sort of really passionately discussing about you know, female versus male photographers and do they photograph differently? And we kind of came to the conclusion just amongst ourselves that no, maybe we don't. Deep down as male and female photographers, maybe we don't really photograph that differently. We are just photographing for a media landscape that is male-dominated and is uh, set up so that the content that they're getting from people is very narrow and is kind of like prolificating their worldview as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, if you take the Murdoch papers, they only publish stuff that dictates their view of the world. Yeah. And this has all been born out of the fact that news has become an entertainment channel rather than an information channel for people. Yes, exactly. So news uh, organisations have kind of bowed to, to... the pressure of you know the media landscape whereby they need to make money yeah and news is such a big driver of eyeballs and clicks and ratings and all the rest of it uh, that that has become the major battleground really for uh, for people's attention and yeah. in or- and in order to get that attention they need to sensationalize and make things they need to differentiate themselves from each other when really they're just covering the same facts and figures mm. but their issue now is 
how do we make this bigger? How do we make this more attractive to all those people out there that we're all fighting to to be, you know make our loyal viewers? Mm. How do we do that? And one of the ways of doing that is by publishing more horrific images yeah. or you know more sensationalized stories all that kind of stuff basically yeah and that's the thing it's like good news stories don't sell like <laughs> the Sadly. tragic ones like the tragic ones yeah. they don't sell i think a freaking great example of this is the coronavirus yeah. um we were talking today and it's like more so many people have survived it and it's actually not as fucking horrific as the media landscape is making it out to be yeah. but like that doesn't sell no. What sells is the fear-mongering and the scare tactics and the drama. Yeah. And that's a really narrow view of the world of to just is. focus on the negative. And I sort of said, like I was saying to you, is that what the public want? Like, do we want the drama and the negative? Like, is that... Like, why are we seeing all these this very narrow view in the media? Is it because is that what the public wants? You said you don't believe that that is what people really want. Well, that's a that, that's a personal view. Mm. I'm sure there are some people out there who are very depressed souls that love reading yeah. bad and sad news for, for, for whatever reason. Yeah. But personally, I feel, you know, if I – let's let's take a, a, a photo uh, essay as an example. If I look at a photo essay that's about, um, I don't know, drug addicts in Redfern or whatever, I can be 100% fascinated by that story and I can view it for what it is and be shocked and stunned by, you know, the imagery and whatever's coming out of it. But it doesn't make me feel good and it doesn't really kind of, I don't know, it's, if I'm given a good story about you know whatever it might be but it's an uplifting experience someone rescuing a puppy dog anything it could be as light and fluffy as that or it could be oh i don't even know it could be anything anything that's uplifting and makes you feel good yeah i'm going to go out into my day and feel a little bit brighter about the world i'm probably going to say hi to the guy that walks past me on the street whereas dude you're from sydney you're not going to say hi to the person maybe I am, but maybe sydney would change <laughs> if we were reading those stories who knows but you, you you get what i'm saying i get what you're saying and i think that you know there's this there's this in my view misconception by media organizations that we must make everything seem dreadful and, yeah. and horrific and terrible. And look, don't get me wrong, there are some horrible things going on in the world oh, and stories shit, yeah. that need to be told. But there are many horrible stories in parts of the world that we don't hear about yeah. um, for the same reasons that we're, that we're talking about here because these people at the top of the trees who make the decisions about what we see say, no, nah, no, nah, that's happening in the middle of bumfuck Idaho nowhere. Yeah. People don't need to hear about that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I totally get what you mean. And I think like, I think last episode we were talking to Sean Brokenshire, yep. who has worked for NGOs, um, you know, creating visual content. And one of the really interesting things uh, that I took away from that interview was there's a way to report on horrific things happening yeah. in a way that leaves the viewer not feeling deflated, but feeling like there is hope. You know what I mean? Yeah. And photographing people in terrible situations in a way that gives them agency and power over the, their story yeah, for sure. and not photographing them in a sympathetic downtrodden yep. there's no hope yep. look at these poor souls 
way because that's the depressing shit you can see a really fucking horrible story on the news or in a newspaper or whatever but if it's photographed or videoed in a way that shows that those people have agency in their story and that there is a way out or there is an answer or there is hope then I think people can ingest more horrific things as long as they can see that there is a way out or that there is hope. I think there's another aspect to all this as well and I think it's a, a creation of empathy with, with the subject of your of your photos or your picture story or whatever it is oh my you're, God, yes. you're doing. Like at the time of capture. Exactly. And making it not so much putting people in the same positions as these people but but humanizing it a little bit more we mm. looked at we looked at a ted talk which will which we'll link to in the in the show notes that kind of explores this topic a little bit deeper yeah. that ted that ted talk was given by um veronica g Cardenas, who i think is of mexican descent but living I in, believe so. in the us she's a us citizen yeah now uh she was uh, and we should actually preface this by saying she identifies as non-binary uh, non-binary um, so, uh, they were, um, were shooting, uh, stories about the migrant caravan that went from Honduras and Mexico through into the U S yeah. and there were several great, uh, pieces of work that, that was done. And one of, one of the things that, uh, that they did was the, uh, use of children's shoes and basically trying to, uh, take images of these shoes in various different locations without showing the children themselves. Yes. Cause it was interesting because Veronica was not allowed to take photos of these children for obvious reasons yeah. to protect privacy. Yeah. So Veronica got these shoes and placed them in situ in places where these children had been. Yeah. Which was a brilliant idea. Oh it was almost God, like their spirits, powerful. you know, it was almost showing their spirits and the, the paths. That oh, they'd totally. Yeah. Without actually photographing the children themselves. Yeah. And one of the other things that Veronica did was uh, she made a conscious effort. Veronica made a conscious effort to photograph just the mundane everyday life of these people. Yeah. Rather than the pure suffering and, and um, you know, grief that, that, that they were going through. Yeah. Which, interestingly, uh, an image from that time, one World Press photo not long ago, uh, oh. a couple of years ago, it was that young, it was a little girl... Uh, photographs screaming up at her mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know the one. Because they were being separated yeah. at the border or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Which is the complete opposite of what Veronica was trying to achieve. That image versus what Veronica shot were pretty much what we're talking about here. Yeah. Now, Veronica's argument is that uh, her gender allowed her to uh, more easily find those topics and images in you know, the, the migrant caravan. Yeah, those more like day-to-day softer yeah. moments. The sympathetic view, or not sympathetic view, but the a humanising view, I guess. And, yes. And, and showing these people to be just everyday normal people like you and me. I think yeah. those are the words that, yeah. that, that were used in the, in the talk. Uh, my argument... <laughs> wasn't necessarily against that viewpoint, but I I don't necessarily agree that a man or a woman or any other gender could not have seen the same opportunity or the same kind of theme uh, to go down. Yeah, and I guess that comes back to the media landscape and what the media and the photo editors, all that what kind of images they choose to then broadcast, quote-unquote. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I'm certain 
that any male photographer that was in the same kind of situation that Veronica was in was probably producing a a very broad spectrum of photographs from the suffering and the hardship to the day-to-day, to to the tender moments between families. But unfortunately, what gets chosen to broadcast is the suffering yeah. of the migrant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the uplifting moment. No, that's unfortunately. right. Unfortunately. So I don't and I so I agree with you. I understand Veronica's point completely, but I don't agree at the core of it, I do not agree that men and women photograph differently. No, I believe a not. media landscape chooses what we see to be more fitting to their view of the world or their stakeholders' view of the world or for advertising revenue. Yeah. I don't believe that men and women innately photograph differently or have different levels of empathy no i totally agree with you and we've seen examples of this going way way back we were looking at some of robert robert kappa's work yeah and you know in researching this i discovered that you know obviously robert kappa's most famous images of a of a soldier being shot and falling backwards in the spanish civil war spanish civil war but at the same time in the spanish civil war he shot many more uh, sensitive moments between, you know, uh, combatants and uh, yeah. fellow soldiers, families, and, yeah. the sorts of things, you know. Yeah. But he, I guess what we're saying is that, you know, if he were to place a contact sheet, particularly today, oh if God, he yeah. were to place a contact sheet in front of a photo editor of, you know, 100 images and let's say 60 of them were, you know, battles and bombs and people getting shot and blood and gore and all the rest of it. Yeah. And the other 40% were some of the more sensitive uh, moments. Yeah. You you bet your ass that the, the editor's going to be like, I want these ones. Blood and I don't gore. want those ones. Give me blood and guts. Give me this. Give me that. Rah, 100%. Rah, rah. That kind of ties in to this really interesting TED Talk. I know, It was given a long time ago. It was given in 2009 by the then head of World Press, mm-hmm. Stephen Mays. Yep. And so he did this keynote speech. I think it was the year that he left World Press. He was kind of like on the way out. So I feel like he kind of like dropped the mic <laughs> and was like, yo, this is what I really think. Boom, I'm gone. <laughs> right? So he said that actually each year in World Press, about 8 to 10% of the finalist images that go on exhibition are of the the suffering, the battle, the blood and guts. How many percent, sorry? Eight to ten percent. Oh, okay. Okay. And the rest is usually like the wildlife stuff. The really? every the everyday the you know, the everyday kind of life stories. Yeah. Um but the most people walk away remembering the blood and guts and the horror. Yeah. Most yeah. people walk away remembering those and not necessarily the other stuff. And he thought that was really interesting and a really interesting um, I guess reflection on society, but also how we interpret media. But I think it's it's trauma. <laughs> I yeah, I guess trauma sticks with you. It does more than of course. Yeah, I think yeah. that's probably what it boils down to. But another interesting thing that he spoke about in this keynote address, and again, like we will link this in the show notes, and I'm gonna actually take a real a direct quote here. Um, he he said that every year they find an overrepresented amount of commercial sex photos, so prostitution, yeah. suffering black people, like we were saying before, yeah. even though freaking 1% of the photographers uh, consider themselves black, hugely overrepresented in the actual um, subjects of the, of the world press. Yeah. So... Uh, overrepresentation of Muslim women in veils, yep. overrepresentation of same-sex couples kissing or holding <laughs> hands, 
but a huge underrepresentation of the middle class, affluent drug users, real sex, personal sex, black culture, and expanded vision of black life outside of Africa. So he basically what he's saying is, uh, y'all are going for these stereotypes yeah, yeah, in photojournalism and you're neglecting all these, a huge amount of real stories. And really interesting stories. That, that really interesting stories. When you stories. said affluent drug users, that one sticks. Mate. I'd love to see something about that. Get up to the eastern suburbs, mate. That would be, but it, that would be a great story to tell. 100%. I take quaaludes 10 to 15 times a day for my back pain, Adderall to stay focused. Xanax to take the edge off, pot to mellow me out, cocaine to wake me back up again, and morphine, well, because it's awesome. And that actually reminds me of a statistic, and I don't know the exact numbers, but this is what I remember from the statistic, that in New South Wales, domestic violence rates are very high in affluent areas. But you only ever hear and see stories about domestic violence in non-affluent areas. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Think about it. You ever hear about the story of the... No, you don't. You absolutely don't. And, And I think what he's saying there is the crux of it. And he actually goes even further saying that photojournalists just keep copying each other year after year. And he says, like, for example, if the winner one year is um, uh, and a suicide bomber vest exploding and the carnage. The next year after that, okay, that's probably like a really hard thing to replicate, but the next year <laughs> after that, if that one, one year, the next year will be so much like more, more blood and gore yeah, entrance. Right. Same with like the um, the picture. What, what was the picture you were just saying that had won that year? The young girl at the, at the caravan. Yeah. So then, the exactly. Border. So then the next year, he like, it's so much more migrant stories because that, so photo, it's like photojournalists just keep copying themselves. Yeah. And also... He also says that a lot of the entrance, a lot of the work, most of the work is never actually published. It's shot purely for contest. Oh, absolutely. Is, uh, absolutely I agree. was really shocked. That, that's kind of, that's pretty unethical in my view. Oh my God, yes. Like, that's, that's kind of like, yeah, that's a bit weird. Like I, I, I can't imagine, I get that World Press has a broad audience and yeah. that. It's, you know, in a sense, shooting specifically for World Press is, if, you, if you're doing it not to win, but to get a story across to an audience, because let's face it, no media organisation right. is going to take that story. Sure. It, it, Reuters aren't going to buy it. You mm. know, mm. AP's not going to buy it. Mm. it. It might be too obscure a topic uh, for them to even consider, you know, how the fuck am I going to sell these these images? Who's going to want them yeah. in their publication? Yeah. I get it from that perspective. Sure. But if people are... Purely going out there and saying, I'm going to shoot this fucked up situation just because I want to win this award. Yeah. Fuck, man, that's... And he's yeah, saying most off. of the entrance is... That's kind of yeah, what it that's is. that's crazy. That's fucking crazy. And that totally harps back to, A, what we are talking about with Sean Brokenshire, vo- like voyeurism yeah. and people going into, like, say, third world countries or whatever and photographing these situations from a purely sympathetic voyeuristic point of view yeah. instead of an empathetic journalistic type view to kind of bring attention to the situation it and that is i really feel that is a really male driven 
view. And especially yeah. when we're looking at these statistics, about 80% of these fucking people entering World Press are men, white men, and the majority of the work that's being produced is over, you know, oversaturation of like the poor black man, mm. oversaturation of sex trafficking, mm. uh, sorry, uh, sex workers, yeah. overrepresentation of, of like gay couples holding hands. Like it's just, to me, that is a really white, straight male point of view Viewpoint. of the world. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And yeah. being a white, straight male, that is, you know, those are not particularly topics I would, I would be drawn to, but you know, I think a lot of this comes down to your life experience and your upbringing and things that you've either voluntarily or otherwise exposed yourself to in terms sure. of seeing the world. Sure. Um, there are various reasons as to why some of these subjects would be, you know, of more interest to, to certain people. Yeah. So I guess what we're saying is it's not necessarily that males and females photograph differently. It's just about what the media wants and people, photojournalists shooting for what they think the media want. And yeah. that happens to be, unfortunately, a very narrow view of the world. But we were kind of talking about in the rest of the photography industry that there is kind of this weird gender imbalance. There is. And it's not like still sticking with photojournalism just to lead us into this next topic of conversation. Um, is there are sometimes advantages to being a woman oh, yeah. in the photojournalism world. Uh, Lindsay Adario, who's a, a well-known American photojournalist, she's, I think she's retired now from doing the, the crazy work that she used to do in Afghanistan and various other uh, trouble spots. Uh, she actually says um, that she often found it to be an advantage. And let's just have a little listen to what she, uh, you know, how she how she perceives that. People always ask me if it's an advantage or a disadvantage to be a woman in a war zone or in certain parts of the world. And for me, I work primarily in the Muslim world and I always find it a great advantage to be a being a woman because as a woman, I have access to both women and men. And I'm allowed into people's homes. I, I'm often sort of underestimated. Um, in a way that my male colleagues are not. And so I've always found it a great advantage and people are often very respectful to me. So, yeah, she she obviously has used her gender uh, to her advantage in, yeah. in many situations. And, you know, as, as you said, we spoke to Sean in, in the last episode and he's also, you know, got several examples of how that can be an advantage as well and he's just one of them. One of the stories that um, one of my female colleagues um, got was from a refugee that had fled from uh, Myanmar, a Rohingya refugee, into Bangladesh. When they first crossed the border, it was tens of thousands of people, and um, you don't get tens of thousands of people crossing a border unless something really bad happened, and it did. And, yeah, the, the story that this um, patient told my colleague was, yeah, quite horrific, that, you know, that the army had come into their village, torched it, started firing on everyone she lost her husband fled into the bush and somehow got across the border days later you know this patient was in tears absolutely sobbing telling this story because i saw you know behind the scenes footage that wasn't released i i saw that the the empathy and i guess the rapport that this colleague had formed with this woman allowed her to share this with her because she hadn't shared it with anyone she hadn't told anyone um, but just, yeah, her being able as a woman to comfort her in between takes and, um, yeah, just build that trust, um, through, you know, respecting her and her story. I would never have been able to get that story. 
that's absolutely a consideration that um, NGOs make all the time, depending on what the project is and what story they want to get from the field. It very much determines which gender journalist you send into those situations because in some countries a male just isn't allowed into a female-only ward. You're never going to be able to access those patients. And yeah, similar to the story I told before, um, the rapport that you can have as a woman to another woman is so much greater than a man to a woman, especially in countries like Afghanistan and Pakistan and um, Bangladesh. Um, yeah, it's it's just a different relationship and different cultural norms um, than we often think about as white males in a Western country. So, yeah, I mean, I totally understand that because there yeah. are so many situations where men can't access certain stories, yeah. especially female stories. And for his female colleague to be able to to gain these really intense and immensely saddening stories to then be able to tell to the world, the benefit lies in the fact that she is female yeah. and that woman is more inclined to be more vulnerable and open with another woman. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Because there's just some places men can't go. Let's talk about fashion. Now, this is one <laughs> thing that baffles us. So, like, okay, fashion is shot for who? For women, okay? Yeah. Predominantly for women in women's magazines, most fashion photographers, men. Yeah, which is bloody weird. That's and then I said, okay, so I think most fashion photographers are men because obviously fashion is very sexualized and they want to shoot, you know, models in certain kind of ways. You know, it's changing now, obviously, a bit. Yeah. But then you were like... Well, yeah, I, I, I thought, well, that doesn't really make sense because those shots are for women, not for men. But then that kind of turns itself around again because what we're trying, what these photographers and publications are trying to achieve is an image of a woman that is desirable, desirable to men. Because that's what all women should really attain to, yeah. is to be desirable to blokes. Yeah. But I also made the point that male fashion photography is no different. So you'll often see, you know, male models, shirts half undone, yeah. fake sweats, six packs, all the rest of it. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's same Vaselined up. Exactly. Same, same, but different. Yeah, totally. And look, it is sort of changing a little bit, slowly yeah. but surely. I mean, there's a lot more, say, plus size models now, but there ain't no men plus size models. <laughs> no, unfortunately. There's I, not. No, no. It's like they're legit, isn't it? So very, that's a really weird imbalance. It kind of is, yeah. It's a very, very strange imbalance. But what I find fascinating about this is you and I have shot fashion together. Yeah, we have. Uh, on, on many occasions. And <laughs> like, in, in my opinion, you excel because you are able to move in, in ways that I can't. I can't move. I show the models you what I want. You show the models how they need to position themselves and pose. Yeah. You can also, if if need be, touch them. With uh, permission. With yeah. permission. Yeah. You know, move hair, uh, adjust garments, all that sort of stuff. Whereas I, as a, as a male, would feel a little bit tentative about doing those kinds sure. of things. I'm sure. I'm sure fashion photographers at the top of their game wouldn't give a fuck and just yeah. go bowling in there and, you know, do yeah, whatever yeah, the fuck yeah, they yeah, want yeah. get their assistant to do it, whatever. Yeah. So in my view, shooting fashion is would be way easier for, for women than, than it yeah, is for men, but they don't yeah. dominate 
that we know how genre. we look good too. Yeah, of course. Like, and we know clothes. Yeah. Like, and we know hair. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like the same with wedding photography. And look, there is like yeah. a lot of female wedding photographers out there, but the industry is dominant. That part of the industry is definitely dominated by men. And a lot of the like top quote unquote wedding photographers, like each year in any fucking poll is always fucking men. Yeah. Um, and I've worked, like, I'm not a wedding photographer, but I have assisted wedding photographers and I've shot some weddings myself. And every time I assist a man, they miss so much stuff. <laughs> they miss like hair like in the wrong place. Oh, yeah, yeah, bouquet yeah. is not the right way, you know. And like I really kind of get in there. Like I, you know, I'm like with fashion photography, I maneuver people and I'm showing them and da, da, da. And I don't know. I think women have a really interesting point of view when photographing weddings. Here's a question though. Do they miss moments that you feel you've seen as a female that they... Not necessarily, but definitely not missing moments, but setting up, especially with couple shoots, like after the wedding, after the couple shoot, the way they set things up is usually like the woman holding on to the man, looking up at the man, oh, yeah, okay. like that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. But also just a simple fact of like not understanding that like if there's a fucking eyelash up here and it doesn't look right, <laughs> move it. Or like her hair looks fucking stupid, move it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I feel like women have a better, a, a better attention to detail. Oh, for sure. But for in sure. saying that, I feel like... I feel like a male wedding photographer who's been at it for a really long time at the top of their game would have the same level You'd hope so, of, yeah. Um, yeah, of uh, attention to detail but as I think a woman would. I think you're right, though. It would take that male photographer a little bit longer to get yeah, to that Yeah, 100%. Point. Whereas a female would probably do it first go. Yeah, I totally reckon. Yeah. 100%. I guess we need to go back to the original question of uh, who takes the best photos. And honestly... You can't answer that question. I don't think you can. It's definitely not a woman takes better photos, a no. man takes better photos, no. a cisgender takes a better photos, a homosexual takes a better photos. Like, it just uh, to me, it comes down to essentially uh, the quality of the work, and that quality is not driven by your gender. It's driven by your eye, your ability to see. And your life experience. And your life experience, which we briefly touched on before. Which is why I think it's so important to have more diversity in the photography industry. Oh, my God, yes. Because a person from El Salvador is going to photograph El Salvadorians in a much more profound and personal way than I would coming from Wollongong in Australia. Yeah. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. So I there do. definitely needs to be more diversity in the photography industry. And that just doesn't mean male and female or whatever. It means across the board, LGBTQTI, yeah. Um, yeah. all different, different ethnicities and ages as well. I, I do think you have to measure that slightly though, because it's also important for an outsider sure. view to be seen as well. Yeah, that's true. So... There's, there's room for both, obviously. 100%. And, and what we're seeing is not enough. Definitely of, not. Of the true representation of certain stories. No, definitely not. And that's true of photography. It's true of film. You know, we've just seen uh, this Korean film Parasite go absolutely berserk at the mm. Oscars and various other places. And that is, that's a Korean movie. Finally, you know, Koreans have been making fucking awesome cinema yeah. for the best, better part of 30 years. Yeah. Uh, yet no one's paid any attention to it and now all of a sudden it's you know it's there because everyone's saying oh the oscars aren't diverse enough blah 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 so they've actually taken the time to go and watch a fucking good film and give yeah. it the credit it deserves and yeah, i think 100%. we need so much more of that everywhere i guess the way to wrap is this it doesn't matter what gender you are 
but we definitely need more diversity in the photography industry. We do. Did we answer the big question? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I think we did. I think we twisted the question. I don't think there is an answer and that's no, fine. And that's no. Fine. And I think that the initial premise of the episode and that article that we started with led us into this broader discussion about diversity in photography and journalism. Yeah. And we must diversify. Absolutely. It needs to be addressed. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. See you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Click Click Bang Bang, a photography podcast, is produced by Meredith Schofield and Toby Farage. Hey, that's us. <laughs> it is us. And I also do the editing. And Mez, you look after the engineering side of things, I guess. Yeah, like sort of, yeah. <laughs> sort of, kind of, sort of. Yeah. And uh, there's a bunch of other people that have kind of helped us to get this thing up and away. Indeed. Like our amazing branding was designed by dingdingding.co, a.k.a. Your Better Half Tobes. Definitely my better half. And the fabulous music you're hearing in the background let's just have a little bit more of a listen there yeah that's it composed by our good friend simon filiuzzi a legend so good how good is that music tobe so good so so good so good and look remember you can subscribe to this podcast everywhere yep send us your comments and ideas for the show and please don't forget to rate us it really helps others discover us you can check us on the socials at ccbb podcast we'll see you soon see ya (laughs) 